You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we are going to talk about communication and more specifically how your voice, literally your voice, impacts your effectiveness as a leader. My guest is a gentleman who is an expert in this field and has made a career out of coaching others to show up just a little bit differently. His name is John Henney. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this journey and the things you're doing now for folks. Yeah, well, my my journey to teaching voice was certainly not a straight line. I, as a young child, would, would play around with singing. And my dad, who was from Glasgow, Scotland, who was a, a wonderful natural singer, but very much like if you've ever seen the movie, So I Married an Axe Murderer with uh, Mike Myers. He would, that's bloody terrible. So I figured, okay, I'm not going to be a singer. And I started playing drums. But but singing was always this mysterious instrument that that I thought I'd really like to learn to do that someday. And a roommate of mine began studying with someone who worked with Stevie Wonder's teacher. And I went, well, that's good enough for me. And I started to work with my voice and understand the mechanics and how to unlock this instrument and then began to not only became a lead singer myself um, moved off of the drums but then began to teach other singers eventually I began to train other voice teachers and then professional voice users would come to me uh, voiceover artists attorneys and I started to use the same techniques for them, modified for speakers, but but the same concepts. And uh, I was able to get really powerful results. So my mission, if you will, is to show people the music in their voice and that we're all born to sing. And not that I'm going to turn people into a singer, but there's there's an inherent musicality in your voice. And our earliest communications, they think, was a, a version of a musical type language that basically expressed emotion. And music and a music in your voice will connect with people on this very old primal emotional level. That's incredibly powerful. As you were describing that, I was doing a quick little rundown uh, memory lane in my own mind of leaders that I've worked for who were, uh, without a doubt, powerful, influential, and effective. And without exception, you had you will have to put their voice on the short list of attributes that made them dynamic as a leader. There was the control of cadence and pitch and timber and all of those elements. And I don't know all the technical stuff. I'm going to leave that to you to explain to us. But it, it was just undeniable that when they spoke, their their voice had that commanding presence and then or that sense of calm and, and confidence that you really want in a leader. Yeah, that's that's actually very perceptive because you're you're picking up on musical devices that they are using great singers 
have ways to captivate you and keep you listening. Even when music is repetitive and they're coming back to the chorus and saying the same thing, they have ways of, of singing it, saying it in a different way. And you've experienced that where you hear someone who sounds good, but they're a little mundane, do a song, and then another singer can do the song and absolutely captivate you. And it's learning how to control the voice in such a way that you connect uh, with the listener on a deeper level. I, I joke, but it's, it's actually not that funny. But your cult leaders and con artists all have great speaking voices. They all use their voice to connect and in their case, emotionally manipulate people. But it, it is an incredible tool. I'm also thinking of a clip that I studied recently, I was reminded of, and it came back in a, a short course I was involved with. And there is a comedian named Michael J. who generally tours the what you call the Christian circuit. He is his comedy is very clean, but it's it's very fun. But there's always, when he's live, there's always a moment in his show where he sits on a stool and basically just connects and talks with the audience about different things. This one particular clip, he he identified a gentleman and said, sir, what do you do? And the, the man said, I'm a music teacher. And he kind of quickly said, oh, great, well, sing us something. How, how about a little, a couple of bars of Amazing Grace? They're in a church, you know, so that was the thing. And the guy ripped off, you know, a, a, a few bars of Amazing Grace. And Michael J. said, hmm, yeah, you're a music teacher. I can tell that. He said, how about trying it again with your soul? What does that song really mean to you? Not, not the teacher, but you as an individual and you as a person. What does that mean? And the guy thought a minute, and then he rendered it again and there was a whole new rich deep and, and i mean just instant connection of emotion and and energy and spirit that came out of that and and michael said hmm <laughs> interesting dynamic you know Absolutely. basically you know ask him just to describe his job and his hey, blah 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 well now what does that really mean to you what does that message in that piece mean to you and it was a whole different rendering and you bring up a very important point and that is the emotional connection or the emotional intention of what it is that you're saying of what it is that you're expressing and it's not just learning these devices so that your voice sounds better, but it's really being deliberate about what it is you're trying to communicate and what your goal is. The, this is something that actors do, where if they're coming into a scene, let's say the actor is, the, the character is going to receive terrible news. Well, the actor is not going to think, okay, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be upset because that's just a rather passive static emotion. What they actually do is they, they will take deliberate intentions and they will say, I am going to resist. I am going to deny so that when they get that news, 
the character will try and resist as we often do and that spurs the emotion and it spurs um really honest emotion and the voice they've done studies where they have subjects speak to each other and they try and understand what the other person is feeling and it's when they remove the visual and they only hear the voice that the accuracy goes up it really is the way that we emotionally connect with each other and we know that most decisions are emotional and we'll we'll, go, we'll retroactively ap apply logic to it right uh so that we can say yeah yeah that's why i made that decision but emotion is is really a driver you know it's interesting you bring that up so often in the work i do coaching with leaders trying to help them up their game for leadership effectiveness they often come at the work with a desire to remove emotion from what they're doing and, and be a little more programmatic or stoic about their ability to make decisions and such. And I often, even though it's not my specialty to talk about your kind of communication, but I do often remind them that it, it might be good to have that stoicism about making the decision, but then when you need to communicate the decision, you've got to connect with your people. Absolutely. And, and intentions can be not highly emotional. It, your intention could be to inform, to instruct, to reveal. Um, very often when people go to public speak and they're standing up and they'll rush through the greeting. Hi, I'm John. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Whereas if they have the intention to welcome. Hi, I'm John. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You're going to, you're going to have a different internal response. And I find it interesting, and everybody in that, that church would have had the same reaction. When that music teacher sang it the second time from his soul and he connected with it, you got it instantly. It, you didn't have to sit and really think and analyze because we are so emotionally connected. And as, as social beings and emotional beings, our antenna are incredibly sensitive to this information. And when you are, when you are connecting with people on a different level and you use these devices of the voice to hold their attention and to make the voice more musical, you're going to be heard. And that's one of the most important things and, and where people get frustrated is they feel like they're not being heard. They have great ideas. They know they can contribute. They know they can help, but it's just not landing in the right way. Yeah, I, I think about people that I've worked with and known, and, and I do tend to work in what you might call uh, pretty technical environments. I've done a lot of work in the oil and gas industry. I've, I've, I've done much of my career has been in banking and that that's a little bit, um, you might call it impersonal or, or definitely analytical. And the classic 
stereotypes are not a lot of great personality, you know, not a lot of, of great connection on a, on a personal level. And yet some, again, I, as I think about some of the best leaders I've known, they, they very much connect emotionally and personally, and they resonate with that uh, authenticity, I think is the word that I'm looking for here. Absolutely. We, as, as much as we try, we're not machines. And as human beings in these emotional connections, uh, even, even the driest, most analytical personality will still respond differently when they're communicated with on a, on a deeper level. And when information is imparted with some drive, and and some passion behind it and again it's not it doesn't need to be this heightened overdone state but it's when you when you vibrate with intention and you use your voice you know that you can change your voice just as singers do to be situationally appropriate they're going to sing differently in a small intimate club than in a large stadium and they're able to change what they do when you when you spend some time to just get some awareness of your voice and how you're using your voice, you can change your impact on others. <laughs> this may be way too far off the mark, but I'm I'm thinking, and I'm of the vintage. Uh, you know, Bob Dylan was still a popular singer in my day, and and his inflection and his tone was so out of the mainstream and yet it created a, a genre unto itself the the way he pronounced his words and strung out his consonants and the way he constructed his message it it just all you know came together with this very eclectic style that was was very different at the time and and very unique and and has stood the test of time in terms of respect and admiration for the artist that he was. And uh, I'm not suggesting if, if you're running a business, you need to go out and start talking like Bob Dylan, but I'm saying it's kind of like capturing that style and that method that works for you is, is probably one of the key elements, I would think. Yeah, and, and Bob Dylan is a, is a perfect example that you don't have to fit inside this box with your voice. Everybody's voice is a unique sonic fingerprint. And people will sometimes talk about Bob Dylan as, oh, well, here's somebody who doesn't have a great voice, but they're able to communicate. And I disagree. I think Bob Dylan was and is a brilliant singer. Um, and he's incredibly unique. He knew how to use his voice uh, for his material so that it was delivered in an, in an extremely powerful way. And his voice was able to create shifts in the culture. Um, it was that powerful. And the way that he was able to communicate, and still does, is something that's available to us in our own way. So it's not changing your voice to sound like someone you are not, it's really just finding 
who it is you sound like. Where, what does your voice sound like when it's working at its optimal level? And just encouraging that. And, and that's going to be your healthiest way of speaking as well, so that your voice is going to last your lifetime. So let's lean into that. Let's let's talk about as you engage with a new client or your, uh, I'll call it typical client, where do you start this journey with them? What I usually do is I'll just listen to them speak a little bit. I'll talk to them about maybe issues they've had with their voice. Um, do they feel their voice get tired? Uh, do they get nervous in certain situations? And I'm just listening for a few things. Uh, I want to hear that there is efficiency in the voice. Um, and very often we make the mistake of speaking too low of a pitch. And I think this is born of the idea that, that lower voices carry more authority. And there is some truth to that, but we mistake the pitch we are speaking on with resonance. Uh, for example, if I just take a pitch, so I'm speaking on this pitch, if I change my resonance, my voice is going to sound rather thin and high, but then if I bring in more resonance, I'm on the same pitch, but there's a perception of, of depth and richness and authority. And so I start showing them, okay, this is how we can access your resonance. This is how your voice is going to carry in larger rooms without a mic so you don't get tired. It's not about pushing more air or squeezing at your vocal cords. It's really about understanding the acoustics of the voice and, and how the voice can be really rich and powerful without a lot of work. And then we start working on accessing maybe some variety of pitch and, and variety of tone and, and even um, tempo and different accents and just ways that they can use their voice to hold attention. I do get asked a lot by my clients to talk about this thing that is popularly now packaged as executive presence and no doubt communication and the way you speak and communicate show up in the moment is a big part of that. And the vast majority of people have moved in, moved through their career and been elevated in position and, and their, you know, span of control, span of influence has grown. And yet they've not done anything to think about developing that part of their toolkit in the way they speak and how they show up and how they present to either individuals or small teams or large groups. So it, it, it's always a challenge and I, I feel a little bit insufficient for some of my clients to be quite honest when, when they really want to lean into that whole, I don't like my voice, I don't want to, you know, I'm embarrassed to talk to a group and how do I get over that? So when somebody brings that to you, where do you start with them on that? Yeah, I'm... I'm of the belief that unless there is some severe physical or neurological issues, everyone's voice can sound fantastic, but also uniquely like them. And it's if you're not liking the sound of your voice, you're just not using it in an optimal way. And 
to get your voice working well as a speaker, it's not a big leap. There are just some basic things to, to work on. There's development of awareness in what your voice feels like when it's working correctly, but it's, it's kind of like slouching. You, you need to be aware that you're slouching, and then you just need to remind yourself and catch yourself when you are slouching. And at a certain point, you're going to rewire that connection with your body where you no longer slouch. And it, it really is the same with the voice. It's, it's to be a singer, it's completely different because you're taking the voice to the extremes. As a speaker, you are not. But, but these same exercises and devices will work wonders in your instrument. I'm thinking about so many different questions. I'm, I am a big fan of of all things music. I've I've got a very eclectic collection of of tunes on my phone, and that I follow. and And uh, my wife is very gifted musically, both voice, piano, and other instruments. And um, I I always sit in awe and when I when I get with a group of her colleagues and friends in that realm. But um, I'm I'm trying to think where am I going with this thought? It I I think it comes back to that key question of identifying your own voice. And I love the phrase you used earlier. That what did you call it? A unique sonic fingerprint. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. finding some confidence in knowing that that is there, and that it can be developed and it can be used as part of your repertoire as a leader. I think that's a, a very powerful and insightful idea. You know, some of the things too that I share with folks is that often what I find leaders not only work a little bit on that pitch and tone element and, and certainly cadence, but they also work on their timing that if they are challenged with a question, they usually don't have a rapid response. Usually there's a there's a measurable pause before they respond to whatever the subject or the question may be. Think about great music. Music is sound, but also silence. And the silence is incredibly important the space between the notes. And when you pause, even when you're not asked a question, let's say you're, you have a presentation and you're building up to a point and your pace starts to pick up and just as you get to it, you hesitate. What does that do? That is a pattern interrupt. And that just suddenly piques the listener's interest. And I think when we are in situations where we're presenting, we're on the spot, we think we need to fill up the space. We need to play through all the silence and talk through it. The silences can be powerful. Pacing is incredibly powerful. I see people make the mistake of when they first do a presentation or they're getting used to public speaking, they'll talk a little too fast because they're, they're trying to race through it and they're nervous. That's pointed out to them, so then they slow down. Well, the problem is when your speech becomes predictable, people tune out. 
It's like listening to three blind mice over and over. <laughs> so yeah. it really is. It's a, it's just controlling the tempo. It's controlling the pace. It's being comfortable with the silence. It's knowing that you can compel people to listen to you. And when you see attention start to wander, and you can feel it when you're, when you're speaking to a group and you can see them start to slip away, you know you can do something. You can begin to talk a little louder. You can pick things up. You can suddenly pause. Singers use pattern interrupts all the time. Musicians use them all the time. They put in within the familiar structure of the song, there's little bits of unfamiliarity. And what that does is that reawakens the attention. And as we know, attention spans are suffering in our modern world. So you want to be able to have these, these devices to reawaken attention and also the confidence to know you can take a moment. You can take a beat. You don't have to fill up every space. For someone who wants to work on this aspect of their communication as a leader, is it enough to try to study and model good speakers? For instance, I'm, I'm thinking of the popular TED Talks. There's some phenomenal presenters there, and, and there there's actually a couple of TED Talks about presenting, but I'm just speaking in, in broad terms of the the gauntlet it takes to get approved to be a, a TED Talk speaker. And there is, I'm told, I haven't made that journey myself yet, but I'm told there is quite a bit of vetting and a little bit of coaching and some other things. And much of it has to do with the delivery style itself, not just the content. Yeah, and, and TED Talks have evolved to a very certain presentation style, right? There's, there's variability within it, but, but you know when you're watching a TED Talk. You don't have to be told. You don't need TED on the, the red TED letters on the stage. And, to, and I think listening to great speakers uh, is one thing, and, and TED Talks would certainly be within that, but I don't want people to be stuck in, in imitation because now that's a, that's a false imposition upon them. You know, one exercise that I will give people, and you can have fun with this if you can just let go and go with it, is I call it the world's worst musical. And you just, you go somewhere where you, where you feel safe, where no one's going to hear you and give yourself permission. And the reason I call it the world's worst musical is so that you can throw away judgment. You can play with it but sing what it is you have to speak about. Hmm. And I mean, sing it, make fun of it. And, but then start to play with it, try it in different styles. And so you start to, hello, my name is John. It's fantastic to be here, right? And I'm just really having, you know, crazy fun with it, but then start to back off the song, but keep a little bit of the musicality in your voice and just, Feel that flow, feel the inflections, feel the melody, the pauses, and you'll start to see, wait a minute, I can actually start to bring singing into my voice. Again, they don't know which we did first, whether we, whether we communicated through song or through speech, they kind of developed simultaneously, but they are extensions of each other. And just a hundred years ago or so, 
Most middle-class homes or many middle-class homes in the U.S. and Europe had pianos. That was the entertainment center. And you got together, you played, and you sang. That's how you... And then came the radio and the phonograph. And now we could have world-class singers in our living room on demand. We created a class of professional singer. And we no longer sang. Well, I'm not a singer. I don't sound good. Interestingly enough, Tiger Woods expanded the game of golf. His greatness didn't stop people from playing the game. It inspired them. But with singing, because it's so innately human, we feel if we don't do it at a certain level, we just don't do it. And that's really a shame because singing really is a birthright. Singing is, is some, the way we would communicate, the way we would gather. Singing is incredibly powerful. That's why you find singing in almost all religious uh, ceremonies around the world. And it's, it's not only a great way to communicate psychologically, it's incredibly impactful to allow these vibrations and allow these melodies and that energy in your body. I promise you, if you are in a horrible mood, go in a room and sing for five minutes and you're gonna walk out feeling completely different. So the connecting with this is, is really powerful, whether you think you can sing or not. I argue that you can, right? We can't all be Pavarotti, but every one of us can get in better shape. We can't be a, a world-class bodybuilder, because that's a certain genetic type, but we can all improve our health and we can all improve our voice. I think that's a very great point. And as I'm thinking through that, I'm, I'm wondering and this is just a really random thought, I'm wondering if some of the popularity of, of all the like reality show contestant type formats where aspiring singers are showing up and they're getting critiqued by the judges, I wonder if that's complicated, that whole stigma of not everybody can sing and if you know you're not going to be qualified to be a contestant on that show, you don't even think about it. And even in you translate that into your day-to-day -day effort that you don't want to be caught singing unless maybe you're alone in the car or alone in the shower and you're, you're willing to open up and let one go. But I wonder if that's artificially created a stigma and holding us back from having that curiosity about our voice. It certainly hasn't helped. And look, these shows, because I've, I've had students compete on a number of these shows, and they create this illusion that there's a football stadium full of people waiting to go audition for these judges. And that's not what happens. These, they, the contestants have gone through multiple auditions and even tested in front of the camera before they walk in front of those judges. It's a highly selective process. So those people who walk in and they fail spectacularly for our entertainment, that's a setup. Those people are, are basically building up their ego because they keep going through, oh, I've gone to the next level, I've gone to the next level. And so they're feeling great about themselves only to be torn down in the audition process. It's actually rather sad. But yeah, I can see that that makes people feel that well, I shouldn't do that. I'm just going to be ridiculed. I'm just going to be jeered. And I have people come to me in middle age. They haven't sung since childhood because somebody said something cruel about their singing. A, a, a choir teacher, 
Maybe some friends tease them and they're in tears now in their 40s, 50s, older, wanting to reconnect with something that they, that they loved, but they have denied themselves because they don't think they can do it at a certain level. And we're getting slightly off topic, but that, that absolutely breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, and to bring it back online is, is for, for those business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders out there that want to up their communication game. I think the point to be made is this is an area that's, that's worth exploring. Your voice is more powerful than you think that the studies have really borne that out. This study was actually a little scary, but they, they took a panel and they took speakers from all different walks of life and the panel couldn't see them. And they had them say, I believe it was seven words. And these words were disconnected. They were like random words. And out of these seven words, this panel could, I think it was around 70 or 80% uh, accuracy figure out this person's basic station in life. Um, the, the, your voice reveals so much about you. Your voice is constantly letting people know whether you care or you don't care, whether you're interested in this or you're not, whether you're connected or you aren't. Even if you don't Feel that you're revealing this. If you think, okay, I'm really kind of fed up with this PowerPoint, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put on my smile and my nice suit. If you're not feeling it, they're not feeling it. They know. A great acting teacher told me, if you think it, the audience will understand it. And it's just like that music teacher who sound amazing grace. All he did was he changed what he was thinking. He changed his connection with the song and every single person got it that's how powerful the voice is so bottom line what do, what do you tell the senior executive or the business owner that's listening right now that is all of a sudden peaked and said you know that's my next step that's what i need to do next what do you tell them about where to go and what to do well, um, if you want to find out more about me, my main website is johnhenny.com. But if you're a speaker, uh, a leader, professional voice user, go to compellingspeaker.com. I've got articles there. I've also got um, a checklist you can download that will just show you how to get your voice going. If you wake up, maybe haven't had a lot of sleep, your voice is tired, just some exercises that can help you get your voice working. Um, so that you're not just constantly clearing your throat and dealing with vocal fatigue during a heavy vocal day. Well, John, I think that may be a good place to stop, and thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate you coming in and, and uh, visiting with us, putting out this information, because it is such a vital part of your presence and your persona as a leader. And I like what you said, that we're not talking about becoming something you're not, but it is connecting with the natural instrument you already have and pursuing a better use or, or more perfected uh, uh, handling of that instrument. So um, I think it means a lot. Thank you, John. Thank you. 
Well, with that, folks, we are going to sign off and say goodbye. I appreciate you coming out and joining us and, and listening to this. You you got the information from John about connecting with him. His links will be in the show notes, and this is the place of the show. I always like to remind people that we do have a, a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, give us a comment, uh, let us know what you're thinking. If you've got some suggestions for other material, let me know, and would love to uh, entertain that idea. So with that, we'll say goodbye. Go out there and make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.